Hey, welcome to the 7 Dev Podcast, Episode 5, Hacking the Dev Environment. I'm your host, Christian Freeman, and in this podcast, we'll talk about all kinds of different things related to your developer environment, so how to run code locally, your editor setup, uh, remote editing environments, all kinds of other things. This is going to be kind of a grab bag episode. After the last four episodes, we went super in-depth into the full-stack dev career roadmap for junior developers. In this episode, it's going to be kind of a grab grab bag of ideas and cool productivity tips and hacks that I found useful as I spend, oh geez, 40 plus hours a week coding for the last 12 years. I'm going to have a uh, a, like moment of crisis here when I think about how much time that is. Um, So hopefully you find this episode interesting. And uh, this is very much in line with the idea that this podcast is about, which is just sort of, I don't know, life hacks for developers, I guess, to use that very overloaded term. Um, I've been a big productivity and uh, like optimizer of all the stuff I'm doing while coding um, for 12 years now. And so in this podcast, I'm going to share all those tips with you. Uh, If you find this stuff interesting and you want to see the other things that we do at 7Dev, you can follow us on social media. It's at 7, that's the number 7, dot dev. So 7, D-O-T-D-E-V. Really weird way to have to like spell that out, but you can find in the description as well. We're on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, threads, Twitter. Uh, all kinds of places. And every day we publish daily videos on all kinds of topics related to programming. And then on our website, which is the number seven dot dev, you can check out our free courses. We just had a course come out on GitHub Copilot Mastery. Uh, That's the name of the course, but obviously it's about GitHub Copilot. Um, It teaches you everything you need to know uh, on how to use GitHub Copilot, including uh, advanced functionality and some newer features like GitHub Copilot Chat. All that is free and you can see that on the website along with uh, usually a couple blog posts a week on full stack development and all kinds of other things programming. Okay, so with that, let's get into hacking the dev environment. Hope you enjoy it. So a lot of people, I think, uh, get their first sort of encounter with hacking the dev environment from their coworkers. I know for me, I was a junior developer working at an agency with about two or three other developers. And when I first saw my mentor, uh, who is a senior developer at the company, using Vim and jumping around like lightning fast, and editing all of his files inside of Vim. Um, it was like, whoa, you're not just like using, I think I was probably using TextMate at the time or Sublime Text maybe. This is back in like uh, 2012, 2013. Uh, I was like, this. there's other things. You can do other things besides like just whatever this built-in or whatever the editor, like I saw like some guy on YouTube using. I had no idea there was such this complex world of developer environments. And that's where I really got into all of this. Um, another stage in this that was uh, kind of fun and topical is uh, I first got into making content for developers online because it was about a year and a half after that. I had learned Vim because my mentor had been using it. I got super into customizing it. Him and I actually both started nerding out together on all this stuff. And I made a video called uh, Learn How to Use Vim in 10 Minutes or 15 Minutes, I think was what it was called. And it was super popular on YouTube. Um, It almost reached 100,000 views. I eventually took it down because it was like so out of date that I didn't really like tying it to my name. I felt like it was doing me a disservice, but uh, it was super popular on YouTube. And that was my first uh, content that I made online for developers, like teaching was actually teaching people how to use Vim. Um, So you might think, is he going to tell me to use Vim here? No, I'm not. Uh, But it's just one of of many examples of things you can do to your developer environment um, to make yourself more productive and uh, and just enjoy your work on a day-to-day basis. So I'm going to cover this um, kind of stage by stage. Um, I'm going to 
start with the basics. This is like your terminal and editor setup. I'm going to move to um, some other tools that I find really useful, uh, kind of alongside that, things you might not think of. And then finally, I'll tackle this sort of like grab bag of um, other random things that I find interesting that you might want to consider or go down the rabbit hole in. So let's start with editors and terminals. So a lot of people use VS Code in the full stack development world and even in other places too. I actually see a lot of data science people using the built-in like Python notebooks and stuff with VS Code. And I think that VS Code is a great place to start for developers because there's all kinds of plugins and extensions and things that you can use. I think it's a really great place um, to, to kind of get started with this developer environment world. Obviously there's like themes and stuff like that. You can get into colors and things like that. I use Solarized uh, just so people don't ask. <laughs> I know someone's going to be like, as soon as you bring up colors, you're like, well, what, what theme do you use? What, what's, what do you use? I use Solarized for my, um, all my themes across my editors and stuff like that. I like the dark theme in particular, though sometimes I'll switch to light if I'm doing like a presentation or something. Uh, and then I use a font called Berkeley Mono, uh, which has support for ligatures and stuff like that. This is all like deep nerd stuff that you don't really need. To, it's This is not productive stuff, uh, colors and fonts. If someone tells you that the color theme you're using makes them more productive, that's kind of hilarious bullshit. I don't think that's true. Um, but certainly the extensions and plugins that you use do help a lot. Um, so I, I tend to think of plugins in like a couple different buckets. So there is the first category, which is like uh, framework or language specific tools. So this would be like adding um, syntax highlighting for Ruby projects or like a plugin that allows you to run like package installation for Node from inside of your VS Code. That sort of stuff I think is for the most part, you should always install that for whatever language you're using. Um, snippets are an interesting category here that I personally don't get a ton of use out of, but I know other people do. I've seen lots of people build their own custom snippets and things like that. Say for a JavaScript project, you have a snippet that just like outputs an entirely structured class where you can go in and like edit the fields and things like that. I don't personally find a lot of use in that, mostly because I find my code is not so repeatable all the time that I'm always going to use that snippet. Like I might use it one time and then feel like I need to turn it into a snippet and then I maybe use it one other time again. Like it's not so broadly applicable that it's even worth doing in my mind. But language specific stuff like that, I do think is useful to install just so you can, you know, run normal commands or whatever you may do from right inside of your um, text editor. Uh, the next stage of um, of plugins and extensions that I find useful are uh, sort of editor level things. There's um, some that kind of improve the editor itself. An example of this that I see a lot in Vim is um, things like file searchers. So you may know that VS Code has built in um, fuzzy uh, file finder, which I think is command P or control P, depending on what operating system you're on. Believe it or not, uh, not all editors have that. That's like a built-in magic thing that VS Code has. But for Vim users, that's a separate thing that you install. Control P is, uh, control P.vim is usually the, the most uh, frequently used there. And so that sort of like editor level, let's improve the editor um, and make it work better is one that I definitely recommend getting into. Vim has a lot of these. I think VS Code has pretty good defaults here. So it's not as applicable um, for, for like sort of GUI based editors, um, but command line ones, definitely there's a lot of that. Um, one example that I actually think for VS Code is worth doing if you're like me and you use Vim are Vim key bindings in VS Code. Um, I think everyone should learn Vim key bindings or Emacs key bindings. There is a benefit to learning one of those two because it allows you to navigate with your keyboard a lot more efficiently. I like the Vim key bindings, um, but I won't try and like, I don't know, proselytize to you that you need to go learn them. But I find that they make me a lot more effective when editing 
editing text inside of VS Code. But that is a kind of like editor level plugin. Um, the final category is like sort of functionality on top of the editor experience is I guess how I would phrase that. A good example of this that I use that I like a lot is highlighting for to-do or fix or bug uh, comments. And so what this does uh, basically is if you write, uh, say in JavaScript, a to-do comment, it's like to-do colon, you know, fix this or whatever, right? Um, it's going to highlight that with a specific syntax coloring. Usually it's based on your syntax theme that you have installed. And that is something that is not built into the editor. It is like a functionality thing based on your workflow or your process, right? And a lot of these good ones, you'll be able to uh, even like drop in like a certain search view that shows all of those uh, to-do, fix, bug, whatever, like as a list of files, right? So you can see what are all the things I need to fix right now. Um, that kind of stuff, big um, sort of improvement on your productivity in a way that I don't think is super apparent. Like the Vim key binding thing, all of this is hard to measure, right? I, I think you will feel more productive using it, but like the to-do stuff or whatever, like being able to do things like that, I do think adds up in a way that will make you uh, more productive. So that's a kind of brief look at editors. I'm going to talk about terminals real quick and like command lines. A lot of people I think are afraid of the command line. Uh, I did a video on this, which I'll put in the description. Uh, I, I do think it's surprising that developers are still fairly afraid of the command line. It's pretty hard to screw something up in the command line permanently. Um, so there are a lot of really great tools out there for improving your terminal experience. There's a lot of off the shelf uh, frameworks or tools like Z shell or bash or fish. Uh, all three of those are different kinds of shells that you can install. Um, I use one called oh my ZSH, which is a plugin framework for Z shell. Z shell is built into all Macs nowadays. I believe it's the default on the terminal and stuff. So it allows you to add Git plugins or JavaScript node plugins and things like that. And, and also has different uh, themes and colors and stuff like that. And I use that a lot. Uh, I think it's a really useful way to get information about the terminal and about the project you're in and things like that. Um, I have a blog post that I will share that are it's uh, three shell setups or like awesome shell setups or something like that um, that you can use to get up and running. And the other terminal thing that I'll mention is the use of a window manager. Um, built into most Linux uh, operating systems and also Mac is uh, a tool called Screen, like S-C-R-E-E-N. And this is a built-in window manager that basically allows you to run all of your terminal commands inside of a persistent managed uh, window session. And so you can close your terminal, you can reopen it, you can resize it, you can connect to it from other computers, and you won't lose your place. You won't lose the active commands and stuff like that. Um, I use a tool called Tmux, that's T-M-U-X, which has some improvements over screen. I find using it a lot easier. And Tmux is something that um, is like a secret thing that I think all developers should learn or something similar. If you want to learn screen, that's fine too. But Tmux, I, I like using because what it allows me to do is uh, two things. One, it allows me to get my terminal outside of VS Code. The VS Code terminal is really good. It, it works quite well. But as soon as you close your VS Code, whether that's on purpose or accidentally, all of your stuff that's on uh, in that terminal is going to quit or close, right? So it allows me to get it out of VS Code. And like I said, it's persistent, which means that um, I can close my terminal or I could even connect, I could SSH into my server from a different machine uh, from, I don't know, a dozen different machines and all connect to the same Tmux uh, terminal and manage it um, from wherever. And then it's persistent so I can I can close it whenever I want. Uh, I'm not familiar. I believe Screen has some degree of this, um, but Tmux has both tabs. So you can have multiple tabs open. Um, you can switch between them just like a browser. You can name those tabs so you can say what's going on inside of each 
extra tab. You can also do splits, both horizontal and vertical splits. So you can have multiple things uh, running, um, you know, side by side. And then my favorite, very sort of like hackery thing that I love to do with Tmux is uh, synced sessions, or actually, I guess they're synced panes is what we call them. The splits are called panes, uh, where you can open up five different folders, turn on the sync panes uh, configuration and type something in one of them and then have it sync to all the other ones. So to give an example, what I did here, I set up like four different folders with four different Kubernetes environments set up in each of them. And then I ran the same set of key bindings in each of them to instantiate a Kubernetes cluster and then connect to the logs in each of them. That might all be gibberish to you, but it was really awesome. If you get what I'm talking about, it was like super hackery kind of cool stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, so that's the editor or terminal. So yeah, that's the terminal. That's some cool stuff you can do there. Um, now I want to get into remote environments. This is an interesting thing that I have to say I haven't gotten super into, but I continue to kind of keep an eye on and I think is interesting. And this is the idea that you could run your entire development environment remotely from wherever, whether you're on your computer, whether you're on your iPad, whether you're at the library on a public computer, it's like where, wherever you want it to be, right? Um, the most recent development in this is github.dev. So you can go into any uh, repository on GitHub and if you press the period key on your keyboard, it will actually redirect you to github.dev where they will have a VS Code setup for that project with the repository cloned, ready to go, and you can do all of it inside of your browser. I haven't found that this works exactly how I want it to. Clearly, I have like my own custom setup and everything that I really like. And I know that you can customize all of the sort of VS Code instances that github.dev sets up for you with your own configuration. But I find that it doesn't quite have the amount of control that I want, though I do find that occasionally if I'm contributing to an open source project, uh, I'll jump into it and, and find it interesting. Um, but I, I continue to watch this space because I think it will be really interesting in the future. I find it very appealing, the idea that I have like a computer that's pretty dumb, like it just has an amazing battery, um, but everything is just like going on somewhere else and the computer is just like connecting to it and I'm sort of issuing commands to it, but all the processing power is sort of, uh, you know, put off on some other machine that's much more powerful than my my current laptop. Though like the modern MacBooks are insanely powerful, so maybe that's not as relevant as I thought it was like a couple years ago, but I do think it's a really interesting space that I'm continuing to keep an eye on. Okay, and the last thing I'll mention in this episode about developer environments is uh, sort of non-editor, non-extension, non-terminal tools and things like that um, that I find useful. So I'll give you a couple of applications that I use all the time that I think are worth it for all developers to get into. Um, the first is a operating system level application launcher. I use a tool called Raycast. I used to use Alfred. Before that, I used, uh, shoot, there's been so many of them. I used to use Quicksilver. Uh, there's like maybe one listener who knows what that is because it's so old school or whatever. Um, but Raycast is what I use now. And what it allows me to do is I can type, uh, I have mine set to uh, caps lock space. My caps lock is actually remapped to uh, to what's called the hyperkey. That's a big rabbit hole you can go look into. Search hyperkey or uh, Mac OS 10 if you're interested in that. Um, but it's caps lock space, which will allow me to open up the Raycast application launcher from anywhere on, you know, doesn't matter what um, application I have open, doesn't matter what screen I'm on, it's on everything. And what it allows me to do is I can start typing in the application. Um, I can press enter, it, like it has a fuzzy finder built in. So I can type like MA and it'll pull up mail. I'll press enter and open it. Uh, I can write custom macros or shortcuts so that I can type, uh, you know, like Cal and then quote and then a new uh, event type or something 
something like that. And it'll automatically create um, a new calendar event for me. Um, you can do all sorts of things with this. You can set up um, different sort of presets for your applications and windows and switch between them. So maybe you have like a development environment, you have a testing environment, whatever that may be. Um, all of that stuff can be done inside of a, a fully featured application launcher. So I use one called Raycast. I like it a lot. Um, and, and I think that's whatever that may be for your operating system is definitely something worth checking out. The other thing I'll mention is an operating system level window manager. So something that automatically arranges your windows in a pattern that makes sense. I usually like to have mine up to ultra wide monitors that I code on. I like to have mine laid out by columns. So if I have two windows open, it will intelligently split them into two 50% wide columns and then lay them out. If I open another window, it'll automatically position it so that they're now 33% each and so on. And then I can change the layout. Maybe I want them to be rows. Okay, so now there are two windows that are 50% tall each for the window. Oh, there's all kinds of things like this. There's binary space partitioning. So you can lay it out with like 50% on one window. The next window takes up 50% of the height. It's, it's hard. You have to kind of see it to see how it gets laid out. Um, there's a lot of these. I believe these came from Linux is where these were first a thing. I, if I remember correctly, Xmonad is like the original here. Someone in the uh, listing this is going to be like, no, it's not. You don't know the history. You're right. I don't. I use a tool called Amethyst. I like it a lot. Uh, it's free and open source. You can just download it on their website to search Amethyst Mac OS. Um, it has really great keyboard shortcuts. Uh, I have a ton of them set up for changing layouts, um, for moving windows between screens and stuff like that. I think this is something worth investing your time in. It just helps your workspace feel a lot cleaner, um, especially when you're like in a sort of work focus zone um, to be able to just sort of um, position things the way you want them to be positioned without manually dragging things around. I'm sure there's things I'm missing here, tools that I use all the time. Um, but I got one more thing. I think I'm looking at my screen right now. One more thing I use a lot is, uh, and this is so silly and like simple as uh, like a caffeination uh, plugin. This is like something for Mac that just keeps your screen on permanently. Sometimes you do want it on all the time. Sometimes you don't. Um, I use a tool called Lungo, L-U-N-G-O, which I think is on the app store. Um, and it allows me to just like turn on the screen either indefinitely or keep it on for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, all the way up to 12 hours. Um, it's also has a hotkey that you can use to turn it on and off. Stuff like that, little minor things. I'm sure I'm forgetting. Maybe sometime I'll do a deep dive and like a screencast to show you all the things that I use. Um, but stuff like that, you know, it seems silly. Um, like it's not that important, but it really does help over time. Like I said, I've been coding eight hours a day, five days a week, 12 years now. You know, in the course of my career, it's going to be like 30 years, I don't know, 40 years of me using Vim key bindings. Like it's hard to measure what that really means, but I can tell you just from managing the projects and the code that I have, like being able to move text around the way that I do in Vim key bindings, I'm sure will add up to some crazy number in the future. I don't even want to know what it will be. It'll probably be depressing and mind-blowing at the same time. So hacking your dev environment, it's worth doing. You're never going to be perfectly satisfied with it. You're going to keep messing around with tools. And there is a diminishing returns of like, you spent too much time doing this and didn't actually get any work done. So you have to be careful of that. Uh, but overall, I think there's all kinds of things you can do both in your editor, your terminal, and then in your operating system to make yourself more productive. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found it useful, leave a review. Let me know on social media, 7DOTDEV. That's at 7.dev. Uh, let me know what you thought of the episode. Subscribe to all of those different places, uh, Instagram, TikTok, threads, Twitter, all the social media that you know and hate or love uh, for daily videos on all kinds of programming topics. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Christian Freeman, and I'll see you in the next episode.